0: today.
1: Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord early on a Sunday morning. Uh, 930 comes quickly. Amen. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I am absolutely done with 2020. I am. I know I I preached that New Year's Eve service here at the church, and I'm like, my bad. <laughs> I don't know what I put on this year, but my bad. Um, we are so excited to be in the house of the Lord and in Tree of Life. Absolutely love this church and uh, love your pastor, his family, bishop, and everybody uh, in the congregation. We absolutely love you. I want to go right into the word of the Lord the book of Romans chapter 4 I'm going to read verse 18 through verse 21 book of Romans chapter 4 verse 18 through verse 21 now this chapter here is talking about Abraham and how he was justified not by his works but he was justified by his faith not by works but by his faith not by what he did but by what he believed and in whom he believed really Romans 4 18 through 21 the Bible reads as so this is talking about Abraham who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be everybody say seed and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. Now, de- that, now that's disrespectful. That's pretty disrespectful because the man was still alive. And Paul said, uh-uh, he dead. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, you're 100 years old and your body is dead neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb everyone say deadness the deadness of Sarah's womb he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief with a dead body but he didn't he didn't doubt God's promise but he was strong in faith giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also To perform Um, I want to speak to you here on this subject the seed because that was the promise that was given to Abraham so shall thy seed be the seed of promise in the womb of deadness the seed of promise in the womb of deadness So God gave Abraham a promise, a living promise, but he placed that living promise in Sarah's dead womb. A living promise in a dead womb. I don't know about you guys, um, but if I'm being honest, half of my life feels like that. Like, man, God, you give me some promises in your word and through Uh, the preached Word of God you give me some promises that sound so good and yet when I try to live them out you know I feel like this is a dead womb how in the world is this promise ever going to come to pass how in the world am I gonna give birth to my destiny I'm weak I can't make it I can't do it I can't speak right I can't go And yet God puts seeds of promise in dead wombs. Father, we love you. We appreciate you. We give you all the praise that you so richly deserve. And I pray, oh God, in this house today that you would speak to us, oh Lord, and that through your word, lives are changed, chains are broken, and that we may learn to trust you that much more. In jesus name we pray amen and amen god bless you everybody you may take your seats now the miracle of childbirth is a breathtaking experience from conception to delivery And if you've never studied the complexities of childbirth, then I suggest that you find resources that will help you to be wowed by this enchanting process we call birth. birth. I'll never forget when my firstborn uh, who's here, Caleb, um, or as I have lovingly nicknamed him, uh, son of a stud, he was still in his mother's womb, she suggested that I study up on the process of childbirth so that I would be well informed when the event actually took place. Well, seeing as I'm a man's man, you know, um, and I had never heard or seen my dad or any of the other alpha males in my family invest any of their precious time in the research of what I thought was feminine processes, I respectfully declined. I told her, I said, girl, I'm a man's man. We don't wear smelly lotion. We don't drink Shirley temples. We don't drive Volkswagen beetles. We don't do the hand on the hip pose for pictures or as uh, I heard someone call it, the sassy arm triangle of insecurity. And we definitely don't read what to expect when you are expecting. I'm a man's man. Well, much to her chagrin, uh, I refused to read the book in front of her. Furthermore, I told her, the way my intelligence quotient works By virtue of previous and may I say hard and arduous study, I already know the process of childbirth. I don't need to read up on it. I already know this process. Well, I'm gonna share a secret with uh, Tree of Life here this morning that I have not shared very many times before. Uh, During the whole pregnancy, uh, what I would do is I would escape during the day to business meetings, um, my business meetings just happened to be at Barnes & Noble, where I would read a plethora of books on the process of childbirth. And so whenever I would get home later in the you know afternoon from my meetings, uh, and the childbirth conversations would come up, I would then proceed to spit out terms like, yes baby the amniotic fluid is a yellowish substance contained by the amniotic sac in the womb and uh truthfully i was hoping that those eloquent words would garner a very very fitting two-word response from her something like my hero followed by a slight faint into my arms caused by the sophisticated articulation of scientific terminology uttered by my lips. But if I'm honest, the only response I got was, Negro, please. (laughs) So in all seriousness, I did study this book my studies led me to understand so much more about the childbirth process and all of the vital organs that must work like clockwork in order for a fetus to be birthed in a healthy manner one of these such organs is called the uterus the uterus the uterus or as it's called in the Bible the womb the womb Is extremely necessary for the life of a child mainly because the womb is the organ most responsible for the healthy development of a fetus throughout all of its stages see if the womb is unhealthy then the fetus is highly likely to be unhealthy I remember uh, growing up in New York there was a girl at our church she was uh, pregnant everything was going well About seven months into her pregnancy, her baby stopped moving, and so she went in for her scheduled uh, appointment, and the doctor told her, for some reason, your womb is unhealthy. Your uterus is dead. It has disconnected itself from the body, and because your uterus is dead, the baby Is now in jeopardy of dying unfortunately it did not make it but it did not make it because the womb was dead it was unhealthy our text doesn't stipulate that Sarah's womb was unhealthy our text says Sarah's womb was dead dead in other words it was impossible for Sarah's womb to give birth it was impossible God knew this He knew that Sarah's womb was dead when he gave Abraham a promise That his seed would be so big that the stars in the sky did not have enough of them to be able you couldn't even number the amount of Seed that he would have and he knew when he made Abraham that promise that Sarah's womb was dead I'm not sure if this is your testimony or not, but all throughout scripture I see this. and That is that God tends to choose things and people and nations and churches and youth groups and individuals that are incapable of accomplishing the very promise that he makes them. Incapable of doing so. Consider Abraham's story. God promised him a son at 75 years of age. Friends and family members, that is no spring chicken. 75 years of age, Abraham was busy getting half off at Denny's. And the Bible said in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 5, Then he, talking about God, brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your seed be, so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. How beautiful that is. God makes this man a promise. It is the seed of promise. He said, your seed is going to be, look at the skies. Can you number them? If you are able to number them, that's how your seed will be be. And Abraham believed, and that's just perfect, and I wish that the Bible had stopped there. But no, just one chapter later, we have a little problem. Houston, we have a problem. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 2, so Sarai said to Abram, see now, watch this, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Who? The Lord. Wait a second. Wait, 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 wait just a second. It was the Lord that gave Abraham the promise. And now, just one chapter later, it's that same Lord who's restricting Sarah from bearing children. So, on the one hand, God gives the seed a promise, but on the other hand, He puts the seed in a womb of deadness a womb that is dead y'all god has a sense of humor god has a sense of humor has god ever given you a promise that made you ask how 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 is this even possible how will this ever come to pass how is that supposed to happen how am i supposed to come up with the money how are we supposed to win our city how are we supposed to build this great building here. How in the world are we supposed to do this? We don't have enough manpower. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough rich people. We don't have millionaires. We just don't know how are we supposed to get this done. Well, if you ever asked that question, you are not alone. See, at the promise of a child through a woman who had never had sexual intimacy with a man, the Virgin Mary asks... How can this be? How can this be? Since I do not know a man. Well, you know, uh, it's Sarai also said, How can I have a child at this age? Moses said, How can I speak if I study? Mary, the sister of Lazarus said, How can my brother come back to life if he's been dead four days? The disciples said, How can we feed the multitude with five loaves and the two fish? And all throughout Scripture, you will find characters that either implicitly or explicitly ask the question, how? And listen, after Paul wrestled with a whole book trying to understand and explain how God works, he finally threw up his hands and he wrote, Oh, the death of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out cause here we are we don't understand the god that is calling us in his place so much promise in us so we ask the question how that's how I feel half the time i don't understand you god you your ways are past finding out ladies and gentlemen this is a truth that is found all throughout scripture god chooses people and things that are incapable of fulfilling his promises you read uh uh, first corinthians 1 26 through 28 if you ever read that uh that's that's a pretty powerful scripture you know you get for you see your calling brethren how that not many wise men after the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called let me let me just say something sometimes we don't get how disrespectful paul was Paul is really disrespectful. I'm going to tell you, if you really read the Scripture, the disrespect coming from this Scripture right here. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying, um, hey, guys, if you need proof that God doesn't choose mighty people or noble people or wise people, then watch this. You see your own calling. I mean, just look in the mirror. That's all you have to do to notice that you're not, I mean, you're not mighty. Any of you are mighty. Are you, any of you mighty? Any of you noble? Any of you wise? uh uh-uh. You are dumb as a rock. So that should be evidence that God doesn't choose the greatest people. That's what he was saying right there. And then verse 27, he says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God chose weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and he chose base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. That's how God chooses. God chooses individuals who are incapable. He chooses churches who don't have enough. He chooses people who say, well, when, how, why, how am I ever going to get this done? That's who he he chooses. You look at how he chose the people of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor did he choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. You were the of all people. Another version says the most insignificant of all. Listen, he could have chosen Babylon, which was the greatest empire of the time. He could have chosen the Philistines. There were giants in Philistia. He could have chosen Assyria. In Assyria, the prophet said that their soldiers were as fast as leopards and as strong as lions. He could have chosen them to be his people. But no, he chose the most insignificant of all the people and he said that's who I'm gonna choose to come through that's who I'm gonna choose to bring about my promise it is those people how about Acts chapter 4 and 13 when he came and manifests himself in the flesh and had to choose a squad you know to turn the world upside down you know what I would have done I would have went down to Beverly Hills California and knocked on every door that had one of those Maseratis or a a Lamborghini with those butterfly doors. My God, I I, would have went and knocked on that door and said, hey, buddy, I need you to come help me change the world. That's not what the Lord did when he chose his disciples. Listen, in Acts 4 and 13, it says that they were ignorant and unlearned men. Ignorant and unlearned it's like the Lord went down and said, who can I choose to change the world? Hey, you, you know your ABCs? And here comes Peter, A-D-F-G-K-L-H. And he said, yep, you qualify, buddy. Come on down. Amen. That's the kind of people that God was choosing. The kind that you find at 7-Eleven at about 1 a.m. in the morning. Listen, this are the kind of people that God said, I'm gonna choose you and you and you and the people around them are going, What? That's who you're gonna choose? Fishermen to be fishers of men? Yes, sir. I didn't come here to find the greatest and the best. I didn't come here to find people who knew what they were doing. I'm choosing people that I'm going to place a seed of promise in, but I'm choosing people who have dead wombs, who are incapable of bringing the desired result. That's who I'm choosing to turn the world upside down with. Those are the people I'm choosing. Jesus himself came to earth wasn't what most people were expecting in the Savior of the world. He didn't come dressed with gold and silver and costly array. Listen, had I been Jesus, I'm going to tell you right now, if I was Jesus and I had all that power and all those riches and all that wealth and all that money, y'all better thank God that I'm not Jesus. Because I I would have come in a Giorgio Armani suit with a Versace shirt and Salvatore Ferragamo shoes. I can't afford them, but I know how to spell them. amen I can't wear them but I know how to try them on in the fitting room and take selfies and change the background Oh, man, I would have come in a Veneno Roadster Lamborghini. That's what I would have done to downtown Jerusalem while everybody was up in their latest model of camel. I would have come down in this Veneno Roadster, and I would have said, I am here to stay. Would have called a press conference, and I would have told every single body, whoever could hear me, this is me. I'm Jesus. I'm about to turn your world upside down. That is not the way the Lord came down to save this world. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God, He made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He was made like unto men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of a cross, the death of a criminal. That's how he came, born in a manger in Bethlehem of Judea, the smallest city in all of Palestine, came from a poor family. He didn't own real estate there was no beauty in him that we should desire him he comes into jerusalem riding on a donkey he eats with publicans and sinners he dies the death of a criminal and then even his tomb wasn't his it was borrowed ladies and gentlemen but that's how god chose to reveal himself in the flesh at first sight everything and everyone was saying it's impossible for this man to be the messiah it's a matter of fact that's why people were so marveled who is this man listen to his words who is this man can anything good come out of Nazareth can anything good come out of that na- listen it's uh, out of Galilee it's impossible for this man to be Messiah it defies conventional wisdom but this is how God chose to save the world through a man with no beauty in him that we should desire him and yet In that man, with all of his feebleness, God was in Christ uh, reconciling the world unto himself. uh, Even with all of his poverty and all of his frailty and his human condition, uh, God decided uh, that there would be salvation in no other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's how God chose to come to this world. God has always chosen those things or those people that seem incapable and unfit to accomplish his promises and purposes. I want you to uh, focus real quick. I just want you to focus on four women. This always blesses me when I read it. Four imperfect women that are in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If you ever read the lineage of Jesus Christ, it's it's a pretty interesting bunch. The Jews were very particular about their genealogy. They loved for their fellow Jews to have pure lineage, right? Uh, they were concerned with pedigree, especially if you were a Levite. You, you were concerned with pedigree. And now you ask me, what is that word pedigree? Well, that's, that's simple. It, it's dog's food. <laughs> they absolutely hated Samaritans. Because Samaritans were part Jews and part something else, and they didn't like mixed breeds. By the time Jesus came onto the scene, many, especially the Levites, could trace their ancestors, and they made sure to hide some of the folks that weren't of great reputation in their lineage. Because you know that we all have that one uncle, right? That never makes it in the family pictures. The one you Photoshop out before you post on Facebook that's why it's so powerful to see matthew the writer of the first gospel who happened to be writing to jews give the genealogy of jesus i mean you would think that he would be sensitive to the jews preference to being pure with their lineage and seeing as he is trying to portray jesus as the messiah it might have been important to leave out certain characters but if you read the lineage of jesus you'll find cheaters and liars and murderers and prostitutes and gentiles and sinners. I would imagine that if you would get everybody from all of Jesus' lineage to be in one era, like in one house, just bring them from, you know, every year, just bring them all down for a great big family reunion and go to Airbnb, get the biggest mansion you can and bring everybody down to be in that one for a family reunion, you know what would happen? You would have FBI all around that mansion and somebody on a megaphone going, bad boys, bad boys. Amen. I don't know what song that is, Bishop. So my... Listen to what was in Jesus' genealogy. There was a woman in there named Tamar of Canaan. Tamar of Canaan. You know who that is? Judas' daughter-in-law, who married his first son. His first son was called Er, and that's your first problem. If you marry a man named Er, you are Erring. And then she married Onan. Now, he died, right? Struck down, died. Then she married Onan, Judas' second son. And if you read the story, you know what happened there. And the Lord, his anger was kindled against him, and he also struck him down. He died prematurely as well. And so she's like, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, y'all ain't going to leave me to be no widow up in here. I'm going to, you know, this is law. I have to get with this third son, right? Now here's the problem. Judas's third son was pretty young by this time. He was kind of young, you know, and uh, and it was important to her, according to the law, to guard. The lineage of that family, especially because if you didn't have a son who can take the inheritance, you were left out of the inheritance. And that's why she was she was after her money. Girl, you know, she her mama didn't raise no fool. And she was out there. She was like, listen, y'all ain't gonna leave me out out here to die by myself. So I'm gonna get with one of y'all one of y'all's is gonna do this trick so she went out and she tried to get with the third son it was important to her but judah was like first of all girl listen you killed my first baby you killed my second one and now you want my third no first of all you're a cougar that girl wasn't a cougar by this time she was a saber-toothed tiger That boy was way too young. And I would imagine that Judah said, let him watch another two years of baby shark before you slide into his DMs. And second of all, not today, devil. You are cursed. No. So you know what she did is vengeance. She stood by the side of the road, dressed as a prostitute, and seduced Judah to sleep with her. Y'all getting what? Y'all getting all this? This is better than days of our lives. Y'all getting everything that the Bible is telling you right now? And the Lord looked at this and said, Oh, Tamar, how you, listen, girl, you qualify. Come on down. You're about to be in my lineage. And then there was another one in there. Her name was Rahab of Jericho. Rahab, so you have Tamar of Canaan, and now you have Rahab of Jericho. You know who she was? She was a harlot. She was a lady of the night. She was a woman of ill repute. she I can't even tell you what they call them around my way. But I'm telling you, the Lord said, that's who I'm going to choose to be in my lineage. Then you have a woman called Ruth, Ruth of Moab. Are you not seeing the pattern here? There is a Tamar, not of Galilee, not of Judah, not of Issachar. Tamar of Canaan, a cursed country. She was a Gentile. Ruth of Moab. Moabites were supposed to be dead. They were cursed. Rahab of Jericho. These were all Gentiles. And yet the Lord said, come on down. How about Bathsheba? Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, the Hittite. And yet Solomon's mother, she was also in there. David had other wives David had other people and yet the Lord chose the side chick and it was like oh wait a second the the, the dude that wasn't supposed to be married to her because that's got a little skeletons in their past and I know what you did last summer and yet the Lord said yes but I'm gonna choose you anyway I'm gonna pick you anyway I know you've got dead wombs I know you can't bring it to pass I know you're imperfect I know you don't have it all together but I'm gonna choose you anyway to bring about my will Oh, let me bring this to a close. So why, why? The question is why would God choose all these people and all these places and all these churches and all these individuals? Why would God choose Sarah's womb, which was dead, to put a living promise, the seed of promise in there when her womb was dead? Why does God choose people who are not noble, who are not wise, who are not powerful, who can't do it, who are not educated all the time, who don't know left from right sometimes. Why does God choose wombs of deadness to put seeds of promise in? I'm going to tell you why. Remember that chapter we read? God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God chose the weak things of the world to confound the mighty and the base things of the world and things that are despised. Have God told cho- You remember that? Well, that same chapter tells you why God chooses the weak things and base things and things that are despised. Read verse 29. Here it goes. It says, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. The reason God chooses the weak things uh, is so that nobody could ever stand and say, well, it was my, my intelligence, uh, my power. It was me who brought this about. It was I who started this country. It was me uh, who brought about this blessing. If it had not been for my money, that church would have never made it. If it had not been for my power, that miracle would have never made it. And if it had not been for my anointing, that would have never happened. And the Lord said, "Ah, uh-uh, you ain't going to get no glory out of this. I'm going to choose you, weak thing. I'm going to choose you, despised thing. I'm going to choose you because you give me the better probability of my glory being shown through you as a vessel. So that no flesh should glory in his presence." I love the scripture. We have this treasure in where? Earthen vessels, jars of clay, jars of clay. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, that the excellency of the power may be of God am not of us. He said the reason I'm going to put a treasure in an earthen vessel is so that when people come, they don't come to see the jar of clay. They don't come to see the earthen vessel. They don't come to see what's in ca- what what the treasure is encased in. They come to see the pearls, baby. They come to see the diamonds. Who cares? Who cares about what you're selling me if it's in a jar of clay? I don't pay attention to the jar of clay. I want to know is that diamond real? How about that pearl? I want to see the treasure. And God said, I'm going to put a treasure in an earthen vessel, so that so that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The reason that God chose Abraham and Sarah when they were 75 and 65 years of age respectfully is because he never wanted them to be able to say, Woo, look at all we did. This is our nation. Sarah, this is what we started. The Lord said, Uh-uh, I'm gonna choose you at 75. And Abraham said, Woo, 75. I get a call. Okay, you know, it's all right, I'm advancing years, but I could have a child that's 76. I mean, Larry King did it, so I, I think. I think I'm, I'm available. I can do that. And the Lord said, uh-uh, buddy. I'm going to give you a promise at 75, but I'm not going to fulfill it until you're 100 years old. He said, if you think you're weak now, wait till you're 100 years old. I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. After 24 years, I'm coming back, and I'm going to say, Abraham, remember that promise I gave you over two decades ago? Remember that when you were already old? You were already old when I made you the promise, but yet I I waited until your body was now dead. The reason I'm choosing you at 100 and Sarah was 90 years old when she gave birth, her womb was dead. Her husband's body was dead. You know why? (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I'm in on this story. Um so back to uh, uh the son of a stud here when when he was born honolulu hawaii is when i realized something uh, women y'all have some strength y'all have some strength that we as men do not possess and i realized that in the birthing room <clears throat> That's when I finally came to the conclusion, I'm soft. I'm 6'4", I'm 200, and mind your own business pounds. And if I get a paper cut, I'm calling my mom. I want chicken soup. Yet I saw this woman, the way she gave birth, and I said, my goodness. I <clears throat> Y'all remember, I didn't, I didn't study up on the, you know, much on the, what to do in the delivery room. I didn't go to Lamar's classes. I thought I had it down. So I went into this delivery room. I didn't know what I was doing. I stood on the side, and, uh, you know, I was fainting kind of because I didn't know it was a lot going on. There was a lot. But I didn't know what I was doing, but the nurse started going, uh, push, push, push. So I said, you know, I think that's a good idea if I, if I also do that. So I started screaming as well. <laughs> Just blaring at the top of my lungs. Push, 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 push. And then the nurse switched it up on me, and she said, breathe, breathe, now breathe. So I said. I got you, girl. I said, breathe, 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 breathe. And then there's a little time of rest or whatever. And then about 30 minutes or 30 seconds later, here comes another contraction. I, the nurse said, push, push, push. So I went right back up there. And I was like, push, push, push. Now, let me tell you something. Um, I got a look in the middle of pushing. I got a look, that look, she, she saw my ancestry with that look. She saw my auntie, Unfunfu from somewhere in Africa. She saw her from like 2,000 years ago, because she looked deep, deep into my life. And I just remember, I looked back and I was like, listen, girl. Pushing is optional. <laughs> you want to push, you go right ahead. You, you know, you do you. do you. This is a true story. Uh, I wish I was lying, but I'm not. Like, this is a true, true story. So the nurse, the she said, uh, she told me, you know, because I was like half fainting, half there. It was just too much for me uh, going on at one time. And uh, the nurse said, uh, listen, hubby, you, um, you're, you're, listen, she, she told me, she said, I'm the only one in the delivery room, and you are way too big for me, so if you faint, I have a job to do. I'm going to let you die on this floor. <clears throat> That's what she told me. She said, yeah, I'm going to let you die on this floor. I can't pick you up. And I've got a job to do. Could you do me a favor and go sit in that corner over there? Just sit in that corner until we're done. This is a true story. So when son of a stud was being born, I had to go sit in a corner. I was sitting in a corner. But I'm going to tell you right now, the devil is alive. He thought he was going to take my victory away. From that corner, I was like, push, push. (laughs) But I realized something on that day. Um, Women, y'all have some strength. Y'all have some strength. Here's the problem. Sarah was 90 years of age. She didn't have that kind of strength, especially before epidurals, were in place. 90 years of age. Sarah, how in the world are you going to bring forth what God has placed in you? But I love the book of Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength. i'ma tell you right now some of you are also saying god how in the world is this ever going to come to pass how am i ever going to exercise my ministry i can't i don't have enough i don't know enough." How are my children coming back to the house of God? The situation gets bleak by the minute. And the Lord is saying, if you will have hope against hope. If you will believe. Because when you are down to nothing, that's when God is up to something. When you say, I can't. God says, I'm able. I can do all things. Y'all can stand to your feet. Has it ever hit you that all three patriarchs, the fathers of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all three of them had sterile wives? The three men that were responsible to start a nation, all three of them had wives with dead wombs. Sarah, and then Rebecca, and then Rachel. You know why? Because someday when the grandson was going to ask his granddad, granddad, tell me the story of Israel again. How did this nation start? Oh, the granddad would have to sit and say, let me tell you a story about how weak Abraham was and how weak Isaac was and how weak Jacob was. They all had wives who could not do it. They all had, they all were imperfect. They all, they didn't have enough strength. And yet, Let me tell you a story about the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. They don't call him the God of the possible. They call him the God of the impossible. He is a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly and above all that you ask or think. I'm telling you, tree of life, God has given you promises here. And I'm going to tell you something. If God ever gives this church a promise that you are able to fund on your own, if God ever gives pastor a promise that you are able to fulfill with your own capacities and funding and and strength, then throw it out. That's not God's promise to this church because it's a promise that you're able to do. The promise that God will give this church is a promise that will have your pastor up at night going, how? How will this ever happen? Did, 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 we, did we get too deep into this now? How are we going back out? That's the kind of promises that God makes. You know why? Because someday somebody will have to look back and say, Ooh, that church could have never done this. That church didn't have enough power to do that that church didn't have enough money to bring that forth look at what the Lord has done if it had not been but for the Lord who was on our side if it had not been but for the Lord would you lift your hands all over this building right now and say God use me use my life use my dead womb Use my dead ministry. Use me, Lord. I've got hands. I've got nothing to give you. I've, I don't have much. I'm not noble. I'm not wise. I'm not wealthy. I just don't have much, but whatever I do have, here it goes. You've put a seed of promise in this dead womb, and I don't know how to bring it forth. I don't have the strength, so now I'm going to have to rely on you by faith. Bring forth a strength from on high. Bring it forth that I may never be able to say it was me, it was my power, it was my strength, it was my anointing, it was me, it was me, my prowess, and God is saying, "Uh -uh, uh uh-uh, 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 I'm putting seeds of promises in dead wombs, I'm putting seeds of promises in dead wombs, how is this Spanish church going to come off the floor, how is this, how is this ministry going to come off the ground and do its work, I can't do it, I don't know, I don't have to I'll tell you why God did it because he's going to get glory out of your life how is this prison ministry ever going? I'll tell you how God is going to overshadow you and the power of the almighty is going to bring it forth how is this church ever going to be built i tell you how God is going to form miracles perform miracles and wonders and signs like you've never seen it before God's hand and will go before you. God will cause the money of the wicked to come into the house of God and he's going to bring forth uh, miracles and signs like you've never expected them to happen if you will just believe church uh, I know you are a dead womb I know it seems that way at times I know it seems like I can't do this on my own I don't know why God gave you promises for your own life and for your own family but you hold on to those things you hold on to God's promises he's gonna get glory out of your situation he's gonna get glory out of your life he's placed a seed of promise in wombs of deadness come on all over this building right now lift your voices up lift your voices all over this building lift your voices and say, oh, God, use me. Use whatever I have. It's not much, but here it goes. It's yours. It's yours. Get glory out of my life. Get glory.